Educators Amplified, the podcast. Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well-being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna. And I'm Hallie. We see you. We hear you. We are you. Welcome, everybody, to Educators Amplified, the podcast. We're happy that you're back. Um, We're really excited because today... We have on a guest. It's our first ever guest for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a teacher. It is someone that me and Joanna work very closely with through our union and through um, being building reps and everything that we do with that. Mm -hmm. And so we're just excited to bring in another expert into the studio. (laughs) And so, Heather, do you want to say hi to anyone that's listening right now? Hey, everybody out there. It's great to be here with Hallie and Joanna on Educators Amplified. Woo! Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, right, Heather's here today. Um, Before we get into more talking with Heather, I wanted to share that something that's been on my mind for a long time. um, Back in the beginning of November, um, I went to a conference, and it was through WEAC, so our professional organization. It was through their Professional Development Institute. So they have a conference in the beginning of the November every year. Um, and funny enough, Joanna and I have just, for the past three years, have always presented yep. at it. And, you know, at first we really just started presenting as more of like, to kind of help us feel more solid in talking about what we're into um, as far as regulation and viewing school differently and looking at alternative education. And now this year just felt a little bit more exciting to me or just more fresh, probably because, you know, at the end of it, I was able to be like, we're starting a podcast, you know, but (laughs) it felt really good. Most of the people who attend are aspiring educators, so people who are currently in college to be teachers. Um, That's primarily like the majority is what I'm trying to say, the majority of the guests that go. But there's also like it is open to any WEAC member. So there was also, um, you know, current classroom teachers that went. Mm -hmm. It's an exciting weekend in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Yeah. (laughs) Oshkosh Convention Center. Yes. And so more or less, I wanted to share today about this experience because, like I said, it still is really sitting with me. It was a time, it was, you know, first of all, it's on the weekend, you know, and after being exhausted all week from working, I'm like, you know, like, I'm tired. Um, But it was something on the weekend related to work that I was really energized by Mm -hmm. and was really excited by and being able to connect with people. So Basically, I went in and talked about what we talk about, you know, so I talked about the human nervous system, I talked about regulation and the scale, and things that are all on our Instagram page, and the energy was palpable. 
Like people were really engaged. The vibe was so great. Like it was right after lunch, you know, so you can hit the after lunch slump. Yes. And so people kind of walked in like, oh, you know, it's just naturally where people are at. But I could just feel so it's an hour and a half, like people getting more and more engaged and excited. And there was a lot of really great discussion that I was hearing. And honestly, what came from it for me was hope Mm -hmm. that like these aspiring educators and then other people who were there who are already teaching were like, oh, my gosh, this all just makes sense. Click makes sense. And they were excited about it. And they could see how they could use it in their classroom. And they could see how they could use it for themselves. And so I do want to kind of shout out to all of those who are following us right now. Um, How's it going? You know, like write in the comments or write in our email, you know, at educatorsamplified at gmail.com. Because I want to know how it's going. It's been at least a month where you've been sitting with this information about regulation, about this information of understanding the nervous system, about seeing our students differently. Um, I really talked about the concept of there's a fundamental difference between behavior is a matter of choice and stress drives behavior. And so I'm just curious, you know, for those of you who are there or even breaking it down like that right now, what are your thoughts related to that? And when we can look at regulation and the nervous system, we can see that stress is really driving everything that's going on in education, whether you're a student, whether you're an adult who's a staff member, that stress is really driving our behavior right now. Well, and I'm really curious to learn. So, right. I like how you're asking the peeps in terms of just like, how has this felt for you internally? And then I really am curious if there are any schools out there who are taking the approach of stress drives behavior because the other part of that presentation where when you talk about like behavior is a matter of choice versus stress drives behavior is then what do you see the task at hand as doing do you see it as then controlling behavior or helping people manage their nervous system and so i don't know what's happening out there in terms of are we coming up with more of like, here's how we're going to manage behavior? Or is anybody out there coming up with how are we going to help manage the nervous system? I'm just curious. And I'd be curious too. We had really great discussion throughout and people were making great connections. And I could hear how some people were already talking about how they had seen, you know, especially in elementary schools, they're seeing more of like the zones of regulation or coming in in the morning. It was called like a soft start you know, our lights are set lower and just kind of moving into the day with a bit more ease. And something I asked them was, so is this just kind of the start of your day Mm -hmm. or how do you integrate it throughout? You know, and I think... Oh, I bet it's just the start. Yeah. It's like, come in, get settled, and then we're back to all the dysregulating routines that we've always done. Or then it's... Not people realizing that, but... Right. Hit the books. (laughs) You know, like, let's soft start, but then... Come on, kids. We got to get back to education. Go hard. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I'd just be curious to hear, how is it going integrating throughout the day? Is it? Is it not? And that's okay. Well, and that's, that's been the challenge from the start of our work is that why is social emotional really viewed as like the side chick is what I've always said. (laughs) You know, where it's not the main thing. It's always viewed as something on the side. (laughs) 
believe you called it a side chick, but I like the analogy. Go on. Well, I've said this before, where, again, it's something that we like to acknowledge and, you know, are like, we care how people feel, but we really don't dedicate real-time resources and effort to it. Mm -hmm. And, again, I'm not knocking teachers because we're not setting up the whole educational design. Oh, yeah, no. But talking about like, yep, that's we're going to have to go beyond, again, like the check-in, the touch point, the light's low for the first five minutes, and really begin to examine like how does this become part of, how does it, how is it valued as equally as traditional academic work? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I I can just hear what you're saying and... I'll be curious because I really, from being at that WIA conference and and being there, I really could just see that connection and that like, this is it, you know, or like, this is a missing piece or like, this is what we can bring forward. Um, Well, when you've described it, like you said, sometimes it can feel really hopeless to be like, mm -hmm. I'll be like, oh my God, girl, nobody, nobody has like an emotional literacy, like People, you know, I'll say stuff like that, right, out of my own dysregulation. But really, when I do hear, like, the adults tripping and complaining, I'm kind of like, you're just as dysregulated as the students that are driving you crazy, mm-hmm. okay? But so I, on one hand, I can feel really like I don't know how this change will happen because the foundation's not there. And yet when you tell me, like, about the conference – it makes me realize that it's not that hard. That's a great entry point. Mm-hmm. So what you did is you tapped into an entry point where mm-hmm. it just makes sense. It feels doable, accessible. And one of those things of like you can't unsee what you've seen. Yeah. Like once you realize what regulation is, now you know. Right. Well, something too um, that we haven't talked on the podcast, but I did talk about at the conference that I wanted to bring up today again, to bring forth more of an awareness for people who are listening about regulation and dysregulation is I had another visual that I had made about like it's this whole list of things that increase your dysregulation and then it's a side-by-side to things that increase your regulation. Um, So just to go after over a few of them, you know, things that increase our regulation is like consistent sleep obviously, you know, but like really prioritizing sleep, moving our bodies, being hydrated, you know, drinking lots of water, being mindful of your nutrition and stress management, you know, thinking about incorporating a daily meditation routine or getting out in nature, something like that. Um, There's lots more on this visual and you can check it out on our Instagram page. But then it's in direct contrast to what increases our dysregulation. Which is regular American life. Correct. Right. And it's essentially the opposite of everything I just said. You know, so things like, you know, right, inconsistent sleep. It is very popular, you know, or like you said, in regular society, American culture, like, right, like, oh, it was a long week. On the weekend, I'm going to stay up late, you know, or... It's been a long day. I just need to veg out and watch TV for a while. And then you stay up late, you know, so having this inconsistent sleep schedule. I think another big one that I just always love to pinpoint or highlight is caffeine intake. 
And the reason I bring this up is because if you remember with the nervous system, that when we're stressed in the autonomic nervous system, there's natural things our bodies will do. You know, like our eyes will dilate. Our heartbeat will get faster when we're anxious. Well, guess what caffeine does? You know, our body really doesn't know the difference between I'm stressed and that's why my heart is beating fast and I just drink a king can of Monster. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I got to tell people, you will often see me with the coffee in my hand. (laughs) It's decaf. I only roll with decaf. Everybody everybody (laughs) who knows me knows that. And if you don't know me yet, now you need to know. It can sound hypocritical because I'm always rolling with something, but it's decaf. She currently has... A large decaf McDonald's coffee brand. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's sponsor us. No. <laughs> um, but I just always find that interesting. Where people are like, oh, I need caffeine. And I'm not here, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to be like, no, you don't. And I'm also like, it's just something with our bodies that like it will increase our dysregulation. Just something to know. And then I also liked, I wanted to highlight one other thing, but you should go and look at the visual because there's lots more. Is something that increases our dysregulation is saying yes to too many things. And I just think that's like the pinnacle of what education, teachers, paraprofessionals, staff, everyone in education is saying yes to too many things. So how do we set those healthy boundaries to help us regulate? Um, But again, I wanted to highlight that because that seemed to really be a moment where the people at the conference were like, oh. Yeah, like I'm really good at running my dysregulation game. Yes. Now I'm starting to understand why I feel like crap. Yeah, or just... There, it isn't rocket science. You know, it isn't like, oh, so in order to regulate a child, I need to blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it was really like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's mm-hmm. things that are in my control that I can change. Mm. You know, and that's in and of itself empowering. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to mention that here to give a little update about that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that experience, and I'm thankful that WEAC offers that conference. I recommend people go. It's the first weekend of November, but I wanted to offer that. Let's go to Heather. Okay. If you want to say a little bit about who you are and what you teach. Okay. Right. So I'm Heather Hansen, and uh, I teach high school social studies. This is my 22nd school year. Um, I call myself kind of a jack of all trades, a master of none, or sometimes I call myself a cowboy because I teach (laughs) a lot of electives. I teach a lot of standalones, which is a lovely thing for me that I've had the autonomy to create classes that I love, like film studies Mm -hmm. and pop culture history. Um, so yeah, I've been in the same district for all of those 22 years. It's also the district that I graduated from. So that's kind of really strange. <laughs> sort of You've been th- in high school for a long <laughs> I've time. never left. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, this This is, you know, besides that work that I do, I am a proud union member and building rep and former co-president of our local association. And I do some great work with Milwaukee Film. Shout out to Milwaukee Film. Yeah, mm-hmm. whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, and so, and so that's kind of who I am. And I'm a GSA advisor as well. Mm. Um, yep. So, yeah, those are all the things about me. Thank you. Thank you. 
Ooh, we're so happy you're here. Right. And so one of the reasons we invited you as an initial guest was, again, you're a, a strong voice, a powerful voice, a poignant voice about this profession. And and I always talk about Heather, that Heather's lens of the world is through the lens of justice. It's just natural to her. Heather is always innately about what's just and what's fair. And so, right, when we think about that, the purpose of our podcast is to bring together, you know, educators, you know, and, and amplify our voices and begin building back our collective voice and reestablish that education should really be by, of, and for educators Um, you're just someone who comes to mind. And so at this time, you know, you said you, is it 22 years? This is my 22nd school year. Yeah, 22nd. So what was the first year? (laughs) So 1990, 2000? It was 2000, that school, that school year. Um, the 99, 2000, I got hired. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. (laughs) A theme in Educators Amplified is we see you, we hear you, we are you. What are you seeing right now? Well, right now, I mean, I think it's what lots of people are seeing. I'm seeing students and staff that are exhausted and in pain, and we're living in just a day-to-day that is really chaotic. And, you know, it's it's really just kind of like that idea of, I can, can I make it through the day? And that's a really scary place to be. You know, this is the most challenging year of my career for sure. Joanna, you predicted this last spring. Yeah, I said you got you got one more that's going to be just as bad. Was my prediction? Two you know, years. and so I just see like <laughs> what you were talking about previously, Hallie and and Joanna about the whole like, are we managing behavior or are we trying to help people manage stress so we can reduce those negative behaviors? And help people just become their best selves. Well, in education, we just rarely do those things. And I, it's been, it's really been at least where where I'm at. I really do see we're very much just reacting to managing behaviors, which isn't going to have a positive or long lasting effect. So tell me, what are you literally like? What is chaotic? Like what? It, what are people trying to react to? So just you know, children don't have the stamina to do school all day after mm-hmm. the last sixteen months of of what we've been going through, and even maybe before that. Like our very standardized seven thirty to three o'clock factory model is pretty outdated in mm-hmm. this century. So. Um, I think there's just so many students who don't have the physical stamina, and then they don't, they don't have the emotional like regulation or ability to like even have the academic piece in there. So you're just seeing like lots of students roaming in the halls, kids hiding out in bathrooms, under stairwells. I have a kid I call Harry Potter. He's like living <laughs> under the stairs. <laughs> Um, In addition to Heather's <laughs> lens of justice, she also describes everything through movies yes. and movie characters. Yeah, yes. I do. do that. <laughs> That's why I'm the film studies teacher. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just so much of that, and it is not. I mean, even our students who look like they're, and I'm, you know, using my air quotes here, like look like they're succeeding right now. There's, they're also 
in really bad places as well. We're just not seeing mm-hmm. it necessarily in those same They're behaviors. better at passive compliance. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I do want to say this quick thing. Mm-hmm. You bringing that up was something. I'm At the WEAC conference, I was talking to aspiring educators, so people who could go through the system, yeah. fine, you know? And when I brought up to them a function of dysregulation is wanting perfection, mm. now that was a light bulb. Oh, yeah. Where they were like, oh. <laughs> okay, you know, and so I think that's what I hear and what you're saying of the quote unquote look like they're succeeding. Like we can talk about behavior and have images of disengagement and not coming mm-hmm. and hiding behind stairwells. Or but resistance. It's, right. It's also the passive compliance. It's the let me make it look like I'm doing everything. It's even your A students. Oh, absolutely. Who and are I think struggling. we're seeing that. I just saw uh, one of the adolescent doctors from. Either children's or freighter, I'm uncertain which one. In an interview, just talking about the massive increase in eating disorders mm. in in adolescence mm-hmm. in our world right now, um, as a response to the pandemic, right? Like so much is out of your control, mm-hmm. so I'm going to control this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is when we see that in our hyper achieving, yeah, folks, and a lot of those folks are people who do go into education too. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I have colleagues where I'm like, and that goes back to the whole idea of saying yes to everything, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So that, that's a concern. We can't be everything to everyone and you can't be your best self as a teacher. If you are just completely wiped out because you're being asked to do all these different things most of which don't serve that those kids sitting in those desks in your room. Right. It's to serve some other purpose, uh, a test score or a form that needs to be filled out to get a grant or, you know, whatever it may be. That's just a lot of what I think most of us are experiencing right now. And some people are just choosing not to really, you know, it's scary to really stop and examine it. You just Mm -hmm. get into survival mode. And I think some of us are finally putting on those brakes and stopping to examining going, this cannot hold, you know, for very much longer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to be depressing, but it's no, our reality. I think it right, it just gave me a moment to pause of like you're making a really great point. Well, what makes me always think about though is like so we know this, we're acknowledging it. People are now articulating it. So mm-hmm. like you said, when you're like last year I'm like, yeah. "Hey, yo, this is how it's going to go down." Now people are articulating it. My concern, wonder, worry is so will we act anytime soon mm-hmm. or will we suffer through this and be like, well, we can only make the change next school year. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking out for that. And I don't know if something like this medium will help, inspire, move. I don't know. But I know the pace of change and I know the serious inadequacies and unmet needs And I'm like, okay, that's a big mismatch. It does make me think about, is there anything that we're hearing that is hopeful? Or is it really like, you know, are you hearing from colleagues? Are you hearing from other people that they're more getting ready to amp up? Or are you hearing from students like something's got to give? Or... I do think that there are a lot of folks who I do think this could be a real moment, a defining moment. Joanna, kind of like what you're talking about, will this move us forward or will we wait and just suffer? And I think that there's enough people right now that we could hit that point where we can make some change, but people have to be willing to make that noise. 
people are doing it in their classrooms, right? We always see that. Like people do mm-hmm. it piecemeal, you know, in their classrooms. They're doing their thing. They're taking that autonomy back and doing what they know is best for students on their day-to-day basis. It's more the the larger action of what can we do as a school building or as a district or the larger picture. The larger picture. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets people really scared. But the thing is, like, I think we have to recognize our own power. I mean, we mm-hmm. are in a massive shortage. <gasps> Of teachers. Right. And, you know, this whole idea that for, I don't know, the last however many years, and this is education or in anything, right? It was like, you're an employee, you're grateful to have a job, right? And right now, there's staffing Mm -hmm. shortages everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So, hey, management, it's maybe time for you to be real thankful for the workers that you got Mm -hmm. who have been doing this work. So I think there's a chance and an opportunity to use that and to, and, and not just to use it like in a political sense, but that, that people in upper management or administration, whatever industry you're in, they will recognize perhaps how fortunate they are to have these folks in these positions. You know what the saddest thing to me is, and I know we're just not talking sad, but Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what that would look like or sound like in our industry. Like, because I've kind of only been familiar with austerity Mm -hmm. um, and deficit, I am really, I mean, you know, really the essence of me is about like hope, peace, love. But if I got to think in this moment, like, what would that look like in our profession? I think it's important to distinguish that we're not looking to go back to what was, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as um, it makes me think about when we were introducing ourselves, Joanna, how you did talk about how when you went into the teaching profession, how you did feel respected. Mm -hmm. Um, And While I think that's important, I'm also like, it was still under the power over system. Oh, yeah. You know, where it was very like top down. Um, And so you were very thankful that your beginning of your career started off from a space where the top dog was appreciative of you. But I can see the shift in what you're saying, Heather, of like, and then what you're saying, Joanna, is like, what would this look like? As far as like, we're not looking to be like, well, it was way better before COVID or it was way better when I was teaching in 87, you know, like (laughs) we're more like excited for and wanting to, we can feel the need to shake up to a, it is literally called a power with system, Mm -hmm. um, that it is more of a shared responsibility, a collaboration, a shared vision as opposed to one person at top with the vision and we all carry it out. So that is one thing I think about. Like, correct, I can't totally envision it because it's ever happened to me, but I understand the concept of power with and transformation. I've literally spent the past couple days thinking about how detaching from all this stuff will be a process. I'm actually in the process right now. And so myself, even as forward thinking or whatever, or innovative as I'd like to believe I am, I am suffering right now with detaching from what was. And not that I'm like missing it or sad, but just being like, wow, this is a big shift for me. I'm fully aware that what I am doing will have to change just because everything has changed. And I don't feel like 
terrible about it. Detaching from what? Like your definition of education, definition of success, definition of what schools look like for children. Yep. In particular, I've been thinking about detaching from what I used as measures of growth and how those growth measures will have to change. And just that where I'm like, ooh, this is is detachment. It's healthy, but if you don't recognize it's that, it's not. Because otherwise it sounds like, am I good enough? Am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Well, and it Mm -hmm. also sounds like parents aren't doing their job as parents. It sounds like kids just need to get here. Kids just need to do this work. Can't use COVID as an excuse anymore. Right. Right. That's what it'll sound like. We're not advocating for that. We're like, no, that's what it sounds like. like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're we're really at this perfect storm Mm -hmm. in the middle of, it's like two philosophies or two different directions kind of rubbing against each other. In between two worlds. What movies are those from? No. I don't, there's a whole lot of examples of those. <laughs> um, it was interesting on my way over here, actually. I was listening to a public radio program, and there was a professor of education from Michigan State that they were interviewing. And I just always think it's so it, it's so interesting. I understand and I respect this person as a professor and an, right, an educator of you know post-secondary students and respect their research and stuff, but there's this huge conversation about education and what's happening in education, and yet the guests are never mm. just a classroom te- not And I said, I even said it. I just went, just. Mm-hmm. We're never a part of that conversation, and that's where I'm connecting with you, Joanne, on that. Like, I wouldn't even know what it looks like because when we have conversations about education, the people who are actually doing that day-to-day work are never mm-hmm. at the table Mm-hmm. or part of that actual conversation. In this interview, even the things that they were talking about was like teacher lesson plans and like what texts are being challenged right now. And while those are valid concerns, like, again, having a classroom teacher in that conversation, I was just like the whole time I'm in like, I'm in my car on the way here and I'm like talking back to the person being <laughs> interviewed. Like, well, it's always somebody, some teachers. it's somebody else defining the issue because right. here we are. You have a great comparison of like, these are the things they've listed. We're not talking about that right now and being like the lesson. Right. No. The standard. No, no. That's neither the of the least of my concerns right, right. now. Right. I also think about, I think teachers are experiencing exactly what you just said is exactly the student's experience. Mm. So we're, what I mean by that is students are very much in a system where they're told what to learn, when to learn it, how to learn it, you know, and then like, graded by somebody else to determine if they've learned it you know and I always give the story about like I just think about children who are learning to read in elementary school it really is the way our system works right now that an adult comes to you and says like oh you need more reading support and then they bring them into an intervention or bring them off to another room or do something to try to teach them more reading but this isn't guided by the student it's just the student hearing this And then from 10 years of working in the setting Mm -hmm. I've worked in, I've heard how children who hear that at young ages, they don't learn how to read. They learn they can't read Yeah. or the belief that they can't read. And so this whole like just telling people what to do, you know, and then I even give the analogy of that's like someone walking up to me and being like, you should lose weight. Here, I'm going to put you in a weight loss program. 
And then I just get flunked in there. But right. I wasn't motivated to, or I wasn't like, yeah, I'm interested in learning more about weight management. And then of course I just feel like shit. If right. someone came up to me and was like, you need to lose weight. And so I just think it's a really powerful moment too for teachers to see this is how kids feel. Right. Everything is very prescriptive to them. Yeah. We have a conversation in some of my classes. We'll talk about like the reading group thing and how that's that they've then identified themselves in that fashion Mm -hmm. literally for their entire academic career. And I think that this just the huge gigantic push. So, you know, in 22 years, just the massive push to standardization, we've lost any opportunity for kids to really just be curious Mm -hmm. and to like in like indulge in that curiosity and that's like the best part of elementary school mm-hmm. right and even high school is like choose your own adventure here like these are the things i want to learn about and this is how i'm going to show you how i learned about them like we've eliminated all of that so no wonder by the time they get to middle school or high school right there's right. like a i don't i don't do school or i'm not good at school like it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy cuz people already told you that And any glint of, like, a passion, whether it's for, like, the arts or a tech ed class or those other areas that, quote, unquote, right, are specials, which is just such a terrible term, Mm -hmm. like, they don't matter as much. And so I just think we've really killed off with that standardization any, like, real love of learning Mm -hmm. and curiosity. And that's, like, the best part of school. Well, you know, I talk about the domains of learning, one of them being intellectual. I don't know if we talked about this on here where we said our students would identify intellectual as only academic. And I was like, no, intellect is about curiosity, Mm -hmm. exploration. There's just more to it. Let me give a little background to what Joanna's saying. So there's these domains of learning. One of them is intellect, but then there's three more. There's the physical, there's the social, and there's the emotional. And literally, we have our students see these domains and we talk about like we learn through all of those four ways. What also struck me from that conversation is they were like, what do you mean by intellectual? Yeah. Mm. And we were like, go on, you know, and they're like, I don't even know if I've heard that word. And then we were like, oh, it's kind of like maybe like academics are like, oh, then just say academics. And then that's where it got into like, Mm -hmm. we'll define what you mean by academics. And then it got into a really cool conversation about how like, whoa, their definition of academics is teacher tells me, teacher knows everything. I have to have a prescribed way of learning. And then we got into more of like, okay, what do you guys just all naturally explore, Mm -hmm. you know, in Mm -hmm. life? And think about and ponder and what are you out here creating and connecting with? What do you wonder? Well, because they are doing those things. So they are, you know, we have a student who does like all this anime stuff and makes her own videos. And I'm like, that's intellectual. Mm -hmm. Like you've taught yourself how to do that stuff. It's what you're into. You're doing it. You know, we have a student who's writing a book. That's intellectual. It's not, but they will, they were classifying that stuff as just like a hobby. Right. Because if it's not like algebra two and trig. Yes. Yeah. Then it's not intellectual. They weren't. Or yes. AP it, world or so whatever. Yes. It, it's impacted how they define learning. Yes. And they learned that from us. You yes. know, I mean, the education system, we've done that. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. That's so sad. It's a byproduct. You know, I even see it in parents too. You know, because mm-hmm. parents will ask like, what level is my child at reading? Parents wouldn't know to ask that unless that's what the system was mm-hmm. telling them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't think, I always find that an interesting concept when people are like, well, parents ask me and I'm like, well, the system perpetuates that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's educate parents on something new. And then they'll ask more. Maybe then parents can, maybe a hopeful thought is parents will start being like, not only am I worried about my child's intellectual needs in schools, Mm -hmm. but how are they socially? How are they emotionally? How are they physically? You Mm -hmm. know? What's my kid's EQ? Right. Right. (laughs) Well, you know I'm about that, that I just think all of those four areas should be equally resourced and given proportional time to. So we did kind of like see you, hear you, and now we are you. What is something that you feel that you are really connected or in solidarity with or where you're feeling you're sharing in somebody else's experience? I think for me, the greatest joy that I get when I think about like we are you really is through my union work. That is, Mm -hmm. I feel connected to others. I was just explaining to somebody that like I stopped doing district committees (laughs) because I don't, they didn't Mm -hmm. serve me. Like they didn't serve my students in ways that I found beneficial. And I said, you know, because they were expressing frustration. I was like, you should quit those. Don't do those. Join us. Like we actually get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very energized in, in that sense, even though sometimes it doesn't probably feel like it. I think there's a connection, you know, like it is that power with, right. you know, that you're among people in the union. Right. And problem solving and thinking of creative solutions as opposed to being in a committee that's already been dictated and now you're doling out what's being right. told. Right. So like I, I do feel... Like those are meetings and those are moments where I feel very connected and it gives, it does give me hope. Another piece is just in talking to students, the idea that students are allies and Mm -hmm. that power structure, I do feel kids are ready for something new. And because they're ready for something new, we can take that opportunity to do things that are different. And we're going to have those parents who support us. But yeah, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, the the feeling of connection comes from my colleagues and comes from um, really people who are active in the union and are always trying to push our profession upwards Mm -hmm. and do great things for our profession, save our profession, Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally save it from extinction because we are on the brink Mm -hmm. of really qualified, highly trained educators. So thank you to all those people that went to Hallie's session. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're excited to learn they're out there. Right, (laughs) right, because it can feel like they're not. So I'm very energized by our young, you know, newer to the profession and and just out of college folks. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though the landscape has been an enormous challenge full of landmines for the last 11 years, they're still choosing it. And Mm -hmm. they're choosing it for the great reasons. And we have wonderful people going into this profession and choosing to stay in it. And that gives me hope that we can save it and we can do what's best for our students and really make some actual change. 
Love it. When you talked about the union, I always think too, somehow when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, that's work that's like rooted in love. Mm-hmm. And then I'll feel like the work work that that's work. Mm-hmm. And ideally, it should feel the same mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all rooted in love. And that's what connects us and energizes us. And then it is true that when people are suffering, we are actually seeing kind of like a greater sense of humanity yeah. among each other. And I think that's what we're sharing with in our students mm-hmm. is that it is just like it's an innate an acknowledgement of like this is hard for everybody. What we're noticing in our environment is that we do see each other be up, be down, suffering, okay, but there really isn't animosity or anger toward one another or finger pointing. I am seeing that we are connected in greater humanity. And that is certainly what I'm hearing from teachers Mm -hmm. and educators where they're saying, I feel understood by the people who are next to me. That's just something that's cool about humans. And again, this is what we want to elevate and bring out Mm -hmm. that, again, it's what makes us unique. It's our superpower. That's the thing we need to follow. Don't view it as just like it's temporary because it's this situation. We could have that feeling of support all the time, not just in this, but while we're rising, while we're growing, while we're having deeper connections and deeper relationships. Well said. Mm, I felt that. (laughs) Mm. Anything else you want to add or shout out or just share? With people, Heather, that you're just like, oh, I didn't talk about this or... I mean, this is just such an outstanding opportunity for people to connect this podcast. And I really hope Mm. that, you know, you're gaining in your subscribers and we've got people listening. And I know I will definitely share. It's just, it can feel so isolating, our profession. Mm -hmm. And this is a way for people to really truly connect with each other. And that's what Mm -hmm. we need more of, not less of. Mm -hmm. And so thank you both for doing this work. Um, and I've known you both for a long time, and this is the work that you do. It's just innately what both of you do, um, and now you just get to bring that to a larger group of people. So spread the word, folks. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. All the voices amplified. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep, so follow us on Instagram at Educators Amplified. And right, if you liked hearing what Heather had to share, give her some love on the comments or even just email us. She has a great story to tell, but so do you. So email us at educatorsamplified at gmail.com. We want to hear your story, amplify your voice, and stay connected. So thanks, everyone, for listening. To learn more about teens, mental health, and eating disorders, check out the links in the episode three description. Thank you to our sponsor, WEA Academy. And thanks to Josh at Silver City Studios. 